welcome to the G42 Podcast. My name is Amber Barton, and I am not your host today. That would be Lisa Black. I am simply here to relay a message that the G42 Podcast will be finished for the summer. After this podcast, we will start recording more and sending out more podcasts at the beginning of September as soon as our semester gets going. And with that being said, we want to invite you all to send us ideas for topics or people to interview. If your best friend's doing something amazing, we want to hear about it. If you're doing something amazing, we also want to hear about it. So send us an email at podcast at generation42.org. Send us a message on Instagram. Our Instagram is G42 Leadership Academy. Or you can even find us on Facebook and message us there. With that being said, let's jump into this podcast with Lisa Black. Lisa Black. Um, This is our G42 alumni podcast. And today we're going to be talking about women in leadership. So I have with me two of my favorite women to work in leadership with. Morgan, say hello. Hello. And Megan, (laughs) we are all on staff together at G42, but I think we're friends, aren't we? Oh, yes. I mean, I call you guys friends, but if you don't call me friend, that's going to be so awkward. But I love these women. They are intelligent, strong, powerful, beautiful women. Um, They do their job with excellence. And they, like me, have faced a few little obstacles just in what does it mean to be a woman in leadership? Um, If you have people with some old-fashioned ideas of what that looks like, uh, we have not had a ton of examples in our generations of women in leadership, but it is time. It is time for women to step back into government and that's happening more and more um, into politics, into um, business, and especially into ministry. We desperately need women in leadership positions in ministry. So would you start, Morgan, would you tell us who you are, a little bit of your story for alumni that don't know you and what you do at G42? Sure. Um, My name is Morgan, and I graduated from G42 in November of 2019. Uh, I came on staff uh, to help out with hospitality and uh, logistics operations, uh, different things that help G42 run smoothly. So that's where I'm at now. Very humble. She rocks it all the time. She keeps everything looking amazing and keeps us flowing. She does a great job. Thank you, Morgan. And you did the race? I did. I did the race back in 2016. Um, And after that, lived in Thailand for a year, which is where I met Andrew Shearman and decided to come to G42 after that. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) She's probably going to try and move on with her life at some point, but I probably will lock her up and put her in a closet. So (laughs) if anyone can't find her, I did it. (laughs) We'll hunt Lisa down. (laughs) If you find me, you'll find Morgan. I'll probably be here for help, so we'll be thankful. It's a sign of a good, you know, it's a really good girlfriend when you can sit around and enjoy a glass of wine and laugh really hard together. And it's also a sign of a really good girlfriend when if something needs to happen, they'll help you hide the body, right? <laughs> Definitely. 
Okay, we're just messing around. We don't believe in murder. We we believe in the Ten Commandments, so just don't send me any emails. It's fine. It's fun. <laughs> okay, we call you Megs. The rest of the world calls you Megan Ripley. Yes. Tell us a little bit about you. You did the race. Yeah, um, I did the race back in 2014 and to, into 2015. Um, was a part of the October 2015 G42 class. Um, right when you guys got here, Lisa and Gary, um, yep. and yeah, went, graduated from that, came back to the States for a couple of years, married my husband, Zach, and then we came on staff about two years ago. Um, I get the honor of, uh, sifting through all of the applications that come in. So admissions, um, I work on practicums with people and placing all of those and then help uh, seniors dream and exit well from G42. So, yeah. Once again, very humble. But the truth is, Megan helps people realize dreams that are within them that they never even thought or, or understood. And she has this amazing way of getting it on actual paper in the most beautiful artistic way. And they have kind of a, a I don't I guess a, a dream board almost to look at and say this is who I am and this is what God created me to be and this is what I'm going to do with it. So it is a huge gift. So anyway, I have the utmost respect for these these young ladies and they teach me constantly um, how to be better and how to to lead better. Um, I love them so much that I want to lead them really well as they're leading me really well. And so we're always having lots of discussions. And one of the things that that's come up that we've all dealt with at some point is what it looks like to be a woman in leadership, especially in ministry. And just a couple months ago, maybe um, a couple semesters ago, there was a lot of noise um, in the, the evangelical world about women in ministry. And some really amazing women, um, Bible teachers, were kind of verbally trashed by a, a a committee of men that said that they needed to go home and be quiet and not speak. And they were quoting scripture. Um, and it, it really riled up more men in leadership in ministry to defend these women and say, you guys are wrong. This is not what scripture says. This is the true context of where it came from. So it ended up being a really wonderful thing. Um, but I was surprised because we work with, um, such amazing men with at AIM and G42 that, that celebrate our leadership, that want us on the stage, that want us to have a microphone, that want to hear what we have to say. I forgot that there's a world out there where women are still kind of treated like it's, you know, 300 years ago. So Morgan, would you, because you are my Bible scholar, um, you and Zach are always studying the scriptures and what it really means in the context of it. Would you give us some context of what, where that came from, this idea that women um, couldn't have authority, couldn't speak, couldn't teach, couldn't preach, shouldn't be in leadership, and what Jesus felt about that? Definitely. Um, well, first off, I, hmm, I find that in reading scripture, um, something that's really important, at least for my faith journey, is acknowledging that um, Paul in his letters explicitly says, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, and so as we read through Paul's letters, acknowledging that Paul is a man pursuing God, um, just as all of us are pursuing God, 
that he would have had to take into consideration the different churches that he was writing letters to, the different circumstances that were going on. And then obviously um, something for us to be aware of is like the historical context of his letter writing. And so what is going on in history at that time that is affecting or influencing the way that these churches are operating? And so knowing that Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, means that we have to take everything that Paul says and does and have it reflect what we know of Jesus's time on earth and of Jesus's teachings in the gospels. And so if we look at the gospels and the way that those are written and the way that um, Jesus's relationship with women is portrayed, we see that Jesus in, in the gospels is welcoming women into a space of learning and of teaching that most rabbis would never have done. Um, and so he invited women into his ministry. He invited women into his space and he treated women, um, with respect and honor. Um, if you look at like the people who supported Jesus in his ministry, I mean, even from a financial standpoint, it was typically women, um, who were able to, or at least what was written down was highlighting women that were there. Um, the people that were the first ones at the tomb were the women. Um, and so you see this respect and this mutual respect um, that Jesus establishes between himself and women. Um, and also there is something within women that rose up that said, like, I want to be around you because you see me, yes. you see the potential, you see what I bring into this place, into this world. Um, and so because of that, I feel like Jesus and the way that he treated women awoken something within a culture that tells women to um, sit back and be silent. Um, whereas actually what he did was call for our um, original design, which is to be life bringers, life speakers. Yes. Um, and so he like, I don't know if I would say he reawoken that or um, if he kind of called it forth, but he definitely gave women a platform and he gave them space um, to call themselves at home within his community, within his table. Um, and so that to me is where we have to look at first. And then when we read Paul's letters, if we find anything that contradicts Jesus's character or the way that he treats women, um, we'll have to like reevaluate how we're reading that or better understand the historical context of, you know, why is Paul saying this? Um, but ultimately you see Jesus invite women in that he invites them to sit at his table um, and you see a lot of life flow from that place. And I mean, I don't, I, you know, you were saying that Jesus, you know, kind of awakened that or kind of called that out. I would say he started a revolution. Yeah, definitely. Because, you know, at the time, Jewish women, at the time Jesus was physically walking the earth, Jewish women were treated as slaves. They, they had no rights. They couldn't vote. They couldn't go into, uh, they couldn't pray. They couldn't go into um, the inner sanctum of the church. They couldn't do anything without a man present. Their husbands were, were picked for them. Um, they couldn't testify in court. They couldn't do any of this. And so when you hear women referring to Jesus as teacher, as rabbi, he was actually teaching them when nobody else would. And he did it publicly. So he wanted the world to know, I believe in women. I trust women. I see their intelligence. I see what they bring to the earth and they are not slaves. They are daughters. And everything he did was to make a public display 
at the risk of death and imprisonment, which obviously is what ended up happening anyway. But he kept everybody on their toes because he touched women that were considered unclean and healed them. He looked them in the eyes, he told them who they were, and they taught them. So he was pretty radical, if you think about it. And I always think that that had to have something to do with the fact that his mother um, was probably treated pretty horribly by being pregnant outside of marriage. I'm sure there was a lot of gossip that surrounded that. So she saw, he saw how she was treated. And I think he was always watching. I think he really admired and really loved women because I think he, (laughs) he was, he was discipling these men, but I think that the women to him were actually a safe place. And he could really let his guard down. I just, I always picture him preaching in the hot sun, thirsty, tired, dusty, giving, I mean, like giving his life away literally every day and imparting to people. And I see him kind of retreating to sitting under a tree just to get his breath and and Mary Magdalene coming to him and bringing him water and maybe washing his feet and saying, you just need to rest for a while and bringing him something to eat. And filling his soul and letting him be a, a safe, you know, he, he was just safe there because that's what women do. And we are not, I am, I refuse to take on the label as feminist because I believe there's a, a man hating spirit that goes with that, that I do not want in my life. And I don't want in my leadership. I don't want it in my marriage. I don't want anything. I love men. I think men are amazing. And I think they have so much to bring to the earth. And I think women have so much to bring to the earth. And I think what's happening right now is it's time for us to come side by side and link arms and and even this out a little bit because you men desperately need the voice of women and vice versa. So well, I think that's exactly what Jesus was doing in his time yes. was he he wasn't um we call it radical but what he was trying to do was acknowledge the fact that like men and women both carry an image of God that is critical and necessary in the world. When we look back at Genesis and the creation story, God created both man and woman in his image. And even furthermore, you look at Adam when he was created and then how God took a rib is what scripture says. But if you like dig a little deeper, he takes a physical side of Adam, or you could say a spiritual side of Adam. So when you're looking at men and women and two becoming one, you really are seeing the fullness of God when we operate together in harmony Um, because you have the masculine side of God and the feminine side of God or the paternal heart of God and the maternal heart of God, whatever you look at it as, there is a side of God that both men and women carry. And we get to see the fullness of God and the kingdom of God come when we choose to not compare ourselves, but work together to bring the kingdom of God to earth. So good. We were created to work together. We were definitely. And the world is a better place for it. Um, Megs, my little love, we uh, talked a little bit about women having a voice. Hmm. And this is, I, I, I hope I say this correctly. This is something you've walked through in the last couple of years. Yeah. Is finding your voice and finding out how to express yourself and, do you want to share, like, did you question if your voice was valid because you weren't sure or you weren't sure if it was, if it was a safe place for you to share your voice in, in different leadership positions? Yeah, I, I think it's several scenarios of it. Um, you know, being in rooms where I didn't 
feel necessarily like it was valued or being in rooms where it felt redundant what I was saying um I remember being at like a sailing worship session that we had at G42 and it happened several weeks in a row where I was like getting ready to say something on my spirit and someone else said the exact same thing and so I had this like war in my head of like I guess I don't need to say it anymore. And mm. one day I just, I just said it anyway. I was like, this is going to sound repetitive, but this is what I got. And someone was like, I heard I needed what you said because you said it differently. Mm. And with a cadence that struck my spirit, as opposed to like, I, I didn't even hear what was said before or the repetitiveness just, um, emphasized the theme that was being communicated throughout the entire uh worship session so um those those kind of things kept popping up and I was like okay there's you know no matter how uh how my brain tries to perceive what um what my voice can or cannot communicate like if I in my gut in my my holy spirit instinct feel like this needs to be said then i will fight to say it and uh, in a room full of, of whether it's 30 people or 5 people like it, it is a fight sometimes there's always going to be someone louder than you always going to be someone that like knows how to interject better um but i think standing um standing with holy spirit especially for women who get a lot of gut instincts and feel more yes. from in my in my experience feel more from holy spirit um in just an intuitive way uh that needs to be vocalized and needs to be heard mm-hmm. yeah yeah and i can say honestly anytime we're in the classroom and either one of you speak i'm just like dang like it's always a deeper level than what I was seeing. It's always, there's just so much wisdom to it. And one of the things I love about the way that both of you communicate is you say what you need to say and you're done. And I think that's where we, sometimes it's difficult for us as women because women can be incredibly wordy. Um, and men, there's some men that just go on. And I was in a meeting that was four hours that could have been 15 minutes um a couple of years ago and it was a a male leader that just kept saying the same thing over and over and over again and while he was berating his staff for not doing what he asked them to do um he was taking up all of our time so we couldn't do our job and i think that we all need to be aware of that of just like say what you need like say what the lord told you to say and say what you felt in your spirit and then leave it and it's the people that kind of go on and on and on and on that we're all like okay got it but um, Megs, do you think that, um, what, where do you think the line is between, because I, I think this is something most women struggle with, I'd love for you to, to speak to it, is we have this instinct, which I call Holy Spirit, and it's in us from the time we're little, little girls, we're very aware of it. it, it warns us for danger, it lets us know when something's happening, there's just some people call it a sixth sense, you know, that maybe wouldn't use the word Holy Spirit, but it's in us as women and God put it in us. And I call it our superpower. And I think it's the most effective thing that we bring to the earth. Do you think there's ever a line that's blurred though, between women that let their emotions rule them 
and women that listen to Holy Spirit and go with their gut instincts and say what needs to be said? Is there confusion there? Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I've, I struggled with that when I was younger, like knowing that my words could actually manipulate as well. And so I, I think it's kind of a, um, a, an area of self-discovery um, that you just, uh, I mean, there's knowingly doing it and then there's also unknowingly doing it. But for the most part, I think it's just like practice, put yourself in settings where like you are hearing something from Holy Spirit and say it and allow the people around you who hopefully you trust in some capacity to speak into it. Um, and you know, if you're getting lots of blank stares, perhaps, um, well, I don't know, I've gotten some blank stares before and I'm like, nope, that was Holy Spirit. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I do think that line gets blurred. Uh, I, I don't know, Morgs, do you have anything that you would say to that? Yeah, Morgan, I was going to ask that too. What would you say? Have you had that experience where, Either you've noted, you've seen someone that's just, you know, because we're self-control is a fruit of the spirit. And I think that that is a, a kind of been a, a put down to women in the past that, you know, we just are ruled by our emotions and we are deep feelers. Um, we're deep thinkers and immature women, which I call little girls are ruled by their emotions. And I don't think anyone takes anyone real seriously, man or woman, that is controlled by their emotions. So have you had any experiences with that where you're like, am I just being emotional here or am I feeling emotional because the Holy Spirit's sitting on me and I need to say something? Definitely. Um, I think something that I've learned to do um, and I'm obviously still imperfect at is being able to sit in a space of like, okay, is what I'm about to say going to bring life into this space? Um, And really like asking myself that question of, you know, am I, am I doing this in order for us to all move forward or is what I'm going to say, like, take us back? Mm. Um, I, I do think that there are times that Holy Spirit invites us to say something that takes us back a few steps to maybe redirect our steps. Uh, but it really is being in tune with Holy Spirit and asking the question of, you know, is this something that's going to bring life into this space? Um, emotions in particular, I've come to find, especially as I've, um, like learned more about discerning spirits are really, really important to articulate because when you're able to step into a space and be like, Hey, I feel this, Mm. um, it's really important to differentiate what you feel and what you are. And so knowing who you are, knowing your identity in Christ, I think gives you a little bit of authority in this in the realm of speaking out those feelings yes. because you can step into the space and say, "Hey, I feel comparison right now. I know that I am uniquely made and I am wonderfully made and I am an image bearer of God." So like there's no space for comparison, but I feel it right now. Yeah. What that does is it opens up a conversation in a in a space where people can be like, "Wow, me too." I feel that. And especially for people who aren't maybe as like grounded in their identity, it opens up the door to be like, oh, wow. Like I thought that was just me. I thought that like I should look like somebody else. It opens a door for conversation Mm -hmm. to speak life and to speak identity into a space. And so being able to communicate those feelings and differentiate between 
um, one of the ones that I've heard recently from conversations is, um, I, I'm a failure. Mm. I've failed. And the differentiating factor there is you're not a failure. That's not what God says about you. You may have failed or you may feel failure. You may feel like you've misstepped in a space in your life. Um, but that doesn't define who you are. So now that we've spoken out that feeling, the truth is that like you are not a failure in God's eyes. There is complete forgiveness if there was a misstep. Um, but also God looks upon you with such love that that kind of overwrites anything. Um, how are you going to do the next right thing? You know? Uh, But if we hold in our feelings, we miss so many opportunities to speak life into one another. And when we speak life into one another, what it does is it solidifies our foundation. It solidifies our identity. And so taking the time to talk about your feelings is actually a really good thing because it allows for the ground that you stand on to become a little bit more firm as we speak truth into Mm -hmm. who we are. And there's, you know, emotions were designed by God and he's a very emotional God. And so there's nothing wrong with emotion. We just can't let them rule us. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I think that's, that's just when we lose a little bit of um, legitimacy to the people around us. If we're just like, there was one time they asked me to give my testimony and it was not a good time to give my testimony, but my supervisor asked me to, and it was a, a time of the year that I was really grieving what they were asking me to talk about. And I said, can I do it next week? This is just, I mean, she caught me literally walking into a staff meeting and she's like, no, no, we, I really want everyone to know your story, blah, blah, blah. I broke down hysterically telling my life story um, because my emotions were very raw that day. And I wish that she had honored that I was just like, this is not a good day because I, I, I went for a promotion soon after that and um, I did not get it. And I, I still think that it went back to that day where I was an emotional wreck. And that woman was watching me in a staff meeting. And I don't think she thought I was stable enough to step into the job that I was applying for. And I remember that um, because I just think, you know, God designed me with these feelings. I think there were some people that felt more drawn to me, that felt safer, that felt, you know, like I was someone they could go to or relate to on staff, but as far as the executive staff looking at me like, can this woman handle these kind of crisis situations? And their reaction was, no, I don't think she can. (laughs) I think she needs a sedative or something. Mm -hmm. And so I've taken that with me the rest of my life and thought, you know, when I am super raw and when it isn't a good day to maybe speak into things, I'm going to just keep to myself because I might be giving a message to people that I don't, that isn't the whole of who I am. And if that's the only time that they see me, then this is not getting the message across because I'm actually a very strong woman. And I know you guys are too, but sometimes we just are raw. Um, And I think what we're seeing in the men around us that as they get older, they are much more in touch with their emotions. Gary cries more than I do now, my husband and Andrew cries. What I've seen with men that have been broken um, in life and matured in life and have a great deal of wisdom are very in touch with their emotions. But Megan, I would love to hear from you because, you know, I teach on um, the purposes of our gender, not the roles of our gender, mm-hmm. because I think that we can switch roles at any time and do really well with it. But, but there is a, a purpose in being created female, which is to be a life-giving entity what do you bring to the table as a female leader that is unique to your gender? 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, anyone that's done G42 will probably contest to the fact that there's some sort of switch that flips within mm. the, if, whether you were a six monther or a nine monther, there's some sort of switch that flips and suddenly you start walking in confidence and owning your giftings and who you are. Um, and that definitely happened for me. And so I would say I can confidently say I, I bring to the table, um, creativity. I bring, uh, a, a, a mind that is not logistical. <laughs> it's kind of ethereal <laughs> and it, uh, it thinks in different ways. And, you know, I would challenge anyone that's sitting at a table with, um, with people that are all always agreeing, there's something wrong. You need, you need someone in there yeah. to stir you up just a little bit, yeah. um, just to bring different perspective, um, but still, you know, come back together. Um, and yeah, I, there, there's a distinct voice of Holy Spirit and the prophetic that is, in me that I get to, uh, bring to the table as well. So, I mean, those are just a few things, but, uh, I think I could say a, a different, different list of items for all of the women, uh, within G42 and also all the men. Yes. We need all those differences. And I can honestly say, I'm, I know you guys have been there too, where you're in a room and you're seeing things and you're, you're feeling things and you're listening to people. And then, you know, a woman will stand up and say, guys, I really feel like we need to acknowledge this. And when she says it, this light bulb goes off in your head and you're like, I did not see that before she spoke it. Yeah. And now that she has said it out loud, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what's going on here. And that's how important it is that we speak up and we say what, what is in our hearts and, and be honest. And you know what, if the tears come every once in a while, that's fine too, mm -hmm. because we are passionate women and we care about the people that we're leading and it's, we don't really separate it. You know, it's not like our personal life and our personal friendships and the people we're leading, we care and love about these people. And we want to lead them really well. So every once in a while we get a little choked up about it. Mm -hmm. oh, we absolutely. Feel it. So <laughs> Morgs, you, um, we had a situation with some housekeeping stuff once upon a time and you, we sent you in to be the bad guy and said, Hey, we'll back you up. But, um, this is really your field and you do this really well. And you had to go and have a hard conversation with people your age and some of them probably even older than you, but you were in a leadership position. And then they all flocked to me and said, my God, Morgan's amazing. <laughs> Can you tell us how you handled that situation? You don't have to get details about the situation, but where, where did you keep your femininity and you were authentically you and still had to bring a really hard word as a leader? Yeah. Um, I think I'm thinking of the same thing that you're thinking. <laughs> you, can, you can do an overarching, you know, yeah. when you've been in those situations where you yeah. have to, you have to be the, the tough guy. Right. Well, I think, um, the instance that you're thinking of in particular, something that struck me and that I've like learned over the last several years leading up to that moment was that um, how important it is as leaders to um, be vulnerable and be real and be humble. 
Um, and so like entering into that space, I wasn't coming necessarily as like a leader that had to set a hard line. I was coming as a fellow human and literally just came as a truth speaker, a life speaker of like, Hey, this is the potential. This is the life that you can step into. This is like where we can be. Um, but this is what I'm hearing and this is what I'm seeing. And so like, where can we ask Holy Spirit to like help us match the two? Because there's a discrepancy there. Um, mm. It's not the same. It's not, we're not matching up to the identity that we're claiming, you know? Mm. Um, but I think stepping into that space and um, for me, like I, I, I'm imperfect. <laughs> and so I never want to come from a place of being like, this is the standard by which I'm asking you to live. Um, you know, I've, I've been judgmental in my life before I've lived that life of expectation. And so being able to come into a space and humbly be like, Hey, let's have a conversation. And like, let's talk about this, um, openly. And then how can I leave you guys in a space of, um, challenge almost like, how can I encourage you to like step closer to the father, um, and to like become a little bit more of a clear image bearer um, through this conversation. So it wasn't me going in and telling as much as it was like, hey, I just want to have a conversation with you. And I want to figure out what the root of this is. Because I know, I know the light that each of you carry. Um, And I think that that's really important as women. Um, I was just talking to someone earlier where the conversation was, as women, we are um, life givers. And so how do we step into a position, um, and especially when we are given an authority to speak into people's life, how do we um, invite Holy Spirit into that prophetic gifting, that ability to see that intuition and say, Lord, give me the words that bring life. And so oftentimes that is expressing the potential, the Christ within someone that you see. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being able to have maybe a more difficult conversation of, okay, this is the potential that I see in you. This is the life that I'm speaking into existence. Um, This is what I'm seeing in this space right now though. And then we really just give it over to Holy Spirit because the thing is, is Holy Spirit is the, the minister to our hearts. It's not my job to convict anyone of behavior. I don't, I don't have the authority to determine right and wrong per se. I have the authority to speak life and goodness and into the character of God that is within each of us. And then to point out where each of us is living. And then we allow Holy Spirit to do Holy Spirit's job, which is to convict our hearts and allow us to close that gap of reality and potential. Um, So, I mean, that's, I think that that as women is such a critical role, but even to your earlier question of manipulation, it's one that we sometimes don't step into. We, we can oftentimes choose to use our voices to speak death into a space instead of life, um, to speak destruction into a space instead of potential. And so it is being really aware of, you know, our feelings are there and our feelings are important, but we have to really submit those to Holy Spirit and choose to see God's goodness, um, and speak it into existence. So good, Morgan. And you actually, you walk that out so beautifully. I've learned so much by 
by watching you and let's just be honest right now and um, in case anyone doesn't understand that's listening to this or hasn't had this experience leadership is hard yes. <laughs> whether you are a male or a female and if you are in any kind of leadership which we all are we're all leading someone and we're all you know doing something but um if your goal is to be everyone's best friend and if your goal is to get everyone to agree with you, then you probably need to step down because <laughs> it doesn't work like that. It, it Leadership is sometimes you have to make hard calls that everyone's not going to understand. Yeah. And hopefully you're a good leader and you're doing that for, you know, the best for everybody involved. And sometimes, you know, we see things in the future that make it really hard with some of the things that we have to do today, but it's actually getting us somewhere. And, um, that's the hardest thing for me in leadership is because I really love people and I don't ever want to hurt anybody. Like it is not in my heart. I know you two are the exact same way, but there are hard conversations that we have to have, but we can still have them in love the way that Morgan just expressed. Like you could have, you know, maybe some of us were raised with parents that just fl you know, flipped open the door when they got home, started yelling and throwing stuff and you didn't do this and you didn't do that that's going to shut people down. That's not life giving. And we can do that in leadership. We can just come in, you know, like a, a violent storm and say, this is what you're doing wrong. This is what you messed up. You know, I don't even know how to work with you. I'm going to do, or we can walk in and say, Hey, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Cause this is what I'm seeing. And let's walk through this together and let me help you. And let me tell you what I'm seeing. So just in the last couple of minutes here, I would love for you each to share, like, what is your encouragement for women in your generation? Because you guys are in your 20s and um, I, you are both strong leaders. You're very different personalities and you have very different um, calls on your life and your brains work differently and it's brilliant. You are exactly who you're supposed to be doing, exactly what you're supposed to do. But what would you, what would you say to your generation of women? What are you seeing in leadership? Where do you think we're going and, and how would you encourage them? You can start, Megs. Sure. Um, I would say, like, this world needs you. So don't shy away mm -hmm. from who you are or what your giftings are. Um, continue to keep dreaming. I know America is a pretty hard place to dream. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of dreams die in America, to be mm -hmm. uh, slightly cynical. or, um, But... <laughs> um, but surround yourself with a group of people that are going to call those things out of you, your giftings, your potential, like Morgan was talking about, your um, areas that you think are impossible to reach. Like, try, just try um, and, and get partners that think differently than you that can, you know, add mm. a, a leg to your to your dream um, in whatever capacity that looks like. Uh, and I, th I think the whole world has been watching Hamilton a lot lately um, yeah. on Disney Plus. But there's this this portion where the three Skylar sisters are singing and they just sing over and over again how lucky we are to be alive right now. Um, and I really do feel that over our specifically, you know, uh, um, any women in this generation that are. Uh, listening to this right now, like in the face of a worldwide pandemic, in the face of crisis, no matter what that looks like uh, with with inner groups of people, with outer groups of people, like 
how lucky we are to be alive right now and to inject hope into a society that is, you know, a little bit fearful right now or is uh, the, the, the future of tomorrow or next week or next year isn't known. And so, yeah, if I could leave anyone with anything, it would be how lucky we are to be alive right now. Excellent. I love that. <laughs> that was very life-giving, Nick. Thanks. I'm encouraged. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> I'm so encouraged. Morgan, what you got? Uh, I, I mean, I agree with Megs and, um, kind of to what I said earlier, I think that we are, um, we're in control on how we perceive the world around us. And I think the temptation and how connected we are and the media, um, and even in the like social circumstances within this pandemic, it can be really easy to lose hope and lose faith. Yeah. Um, and also the temptation just to kind of fall asleep and go through the motions of life mm. is real. Uh, but as women, I really encourage everyone out there, like you have an opportunity to speak life into whatever space you're in, whether you're a stay-at-home mom and you know you're kind of quarantined at home whether you're going out into the community and you're, you're seeing people um, like just recognize that you have the potential to speak life into that space. And I just, um, I feel like I'm supposed to say like, just take a big deep breath yeah. um, because it all can feel so overwhelming. Like you can look at the world and be like, how could we ever make a difference in this space? Um, but we are invited with Christ in us to just do the next right thing. Um, speak the next word of life. Mm. You know, it doesn't have to be like, uh, go out for 24 hours and pour it all out and you're going to see your community transform. It really is like what Andrew says. Um, it's a cup of tea and a slice of toast. Yeah. It's relationship. It's pouring into the people. Mm -hmm. Um, and Lisa earlier, I was reminded of, the way that you teach about like your inner circle and then it, the circles kind of spread out. Um, just be a life speaker in every opportunity that you have. And that's all that can be asked of you um, is just to, to step into that space and bring light and love everywhere you go. Um, and when you have emotions and when you have bad days, go to that inner circle, um, process it, get it out, uh, remind yourself of your identity, your foundation. Um, and then know that there is hope like kingdom is coming to earth every day. Um, all we, day, every day, all day, every day it's coming. <laughs> it's here. So embrace that truth. Um, even when you can't feel it or see it because that's what faith is. Right. Amen. So good. Morgan, you're so wise. Yeah. You're like a 90 year old woman in a young woman's body, <laughs> which is awesome. Cause you still have great skin and everything's perky, but you're super wise. <laughs> I can only imagine what conversations are going to be like with you when we're really, really old. Well, I'll be dead, so you guys will be having conversations. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Your spirit can come in the room, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really creepy if I can't. I probably will come haunt you guys. It's like, I want to hear what's saying. I'll, I, will, I will be in the grandstand. I will be leaning down with Jesus, like, listening, like, what are they going to say next? Which is how I really, I do feel that way about you guys. Like, oh my God, you, every time you could, I'm like, what are they going to say? It's going to be so good. Mm -hmm. I should take notes. But um, I, it is an honor and a joy and a pleasure to um, work with you guys and to follow you. 
And I just thank you for how hard you work and how you guys do everything with excellence. And um, you are just, without saying a word, you guys are excellent, brilliant examples to other women of the way that you can be powerful and be kind and um, the way that you guys lead so well without destroying people's souls. You know, you, you breathe life into everything you do. So thank you. I know that just doing this podcast took a chunk out of time where you guys have so many other things you have to be doing right now. We're gearing up for our fall semester and, you know, we're Mm -hmm. in a different place and none of us have been there yet. We don't know what it looks like. And you guys are doing the logistics and keeping our um, interns healthy. So thank you for all the work you do. Nothing happens without you. And um, if you have any questions for Megan or Morgan, how could they get in touch with you guys? Yeah, you can use our G42 email. So mine is mripley, R-I-P-L-E-Y, at generation42.org. And mine is mfoldes, F-O-L-D-E-S, at generation42.org. Oh, you guys are so good at spelling your names. (laughs) (laughs) With my dyslexia, I could have just completely trashed that. That would have been really fun. I will do no spelling. Um, but if you have any questions in general, you can message us at podcast at generation42.org. And this is Lisa Black just telling you guys that we are all in this together, literally. Uh, kingdom of God is expanding on the earth every day. Mm-hmm. This is the beginning. This is not the end. And women rise up and take mm-hmm. your place in the kingdom because we desperately need you. And men Thank you for covering us and supporting us and and help making this great. So we love you guys. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. If there's any podcast you'd like to, you know, have us do, or if you'd like to be a guest on one, you can contact us at the podcast at um, generation42.org address, and we will get back to you. Love you guys.